Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I sat down with our CTO and co-founder, Allard Bowser, to talk about our newest feature of Axon Server tiered storage. Alert explained the difference between the various types of nodes that we currently use in Axon Server with tier storage and how they can complement one another. I hope you enjoy this conversation and let's have a listen. Hi, Alert. Welcome back. Hi, Sarah. Good to be back. Thank you. It's uh, my very first time recording in person with another guest, so it's going to be fun. <laughs> Today, we want to talk about one of the uh, features that's coming up, which is tier storage. Probably having this uh, feature come up in Axon Server, I'm assuming at some point in Q1. Um, that's the plan that's, indeed, yes. That's the plan, great. Um, so before we get to tiered storage itself, let's uh, start by talking about different nodes. Um, we do have various nodes that are used with an Axon Server, um, primary nodes, secondary, and backup. Can you explain the difference between each one of them and why have we decided to use um, various types of nodes when using Axon Server. So the, the idea of those nodes is that when you have a cluster of, of Axon Server, um, very often that cluster will store the data that is the um, single source of truth, or at least the source of, of all information in, in various systems. So keeping that data safe is really important. Uh, so besides a typical um, uh, three node, um, cluster, if you will, of primary nodes, we very often have um, uh, additional nodes that, copy, that have extra copies of that data to make sure it's safe. Right? If something happens to the primary storage, for whatever reason, you always have a backup somewhere else. So very often those, those backups are placed in another region of, uh, in another data center. So it doesn't directly affect the, um, the performance of the primary nodes, uh, there's no additional latency, but still you have your data far away so that it will survive a fire, for example, mm -hmm. in, uh, in, a primary, uh, in the primary data center, which unfortunately uh, every now and then does happen. Uh, so it's good to come prepared. Right. So we have these, uh, these various, uh, uh, various roles, if you will, because a, a node in itself is not a primary or a backup. It's always a primary or a backup in the um, in the context of a context, right. uh, which makes it nice. Um, so you you can have um, a, a, a large cluster, a multi-regional cluster, and have the primary nodes in one region and the backup in another region, as well as the other way around at the same time. Right. So, so that said, there's a couple of uh, couple of roles. Now, the most important one is the primary nodes, and the primary nodes are the the, the nodes that are responsible for basically handling all of the transactions. They uh, typically connect to your applications. I say typically because you can you can choose otherwise, but um, and they they will manage the transaction. So a transaction is only acknowledged when the majority of the primary nodes has a safe copy of your data. Right, that's when uh, we consider a transaction complete. Um, then there's backup nodes, and there's we actually have two uh, two types of backup nodes. We call them passive and active backup. So the passive backup is just a um, a node that would uh, look at the uh, primary nodes and basically copy all the information they see um, um, they see going there. So every time a transaction is acknowledged, 
um, it is also replicated to the uh, to the backup node. But the primary nodes will just move along. If the backup node doesn't um, doesn't copy the data for a while, it's fine. The uh, primary nodes will just continue working. Uh, and it's, uh, so there's no guaranteed backup at any time, right? Okay. It will do. It's a best effort kind of backup. Mm -hmm. In some situation, best effort isn't just just isn't good enough, right? We want better effort. Um, <laughs> wait, better? Uh, never mind. Um, best is better than better. But <laughs> usually, best is better. But sometimes you want better than case, best, you right? Want you want bestest, best, exactly. uh, bestest effort, or you want guarantee, which is slightly stronger. Um, for, so, for that purpose, we have uh, active backups, and like everything in life, they come with pros and cons. But the difference with an active backup is, in that case the transaction, a transaction for a pending event is only acknowledged if at least one active backup has the transaction as well. So you have a guarantee that your data is not only on the primary nodes, but also at least on one of the backups. So if those backups are in remote areas, you'll know that at least one of the two remote areas has the data, which gives you a lot of security uh, for, for data availability that you're, you're not going to lose it. But those nodes have to be active because mm -hmm. as soon as they cannot be reached, um, then um, transactions cannot be acknowledged, right? Because there's this rule that they have to be uh, replicated. And that's why typically active backups, you will have more than one. Mm -hmm. uh, so that when one uh, connection is lost, the other one can take over. So that's for the, um, let's say the main roles and how, uh, how they, um, how they manage the data. And then there's uh, there's a, sp a very special one, which uh, we call the messaging only node. It is basically a node that uh, does not play along in the transactions. It is just there to allow connections of, uh, of applications. And it can be used if you have uh, large scale uh, communication around uh, commands and queries, uh, which is fine, but you don't need all of those nodes to, to also hold a copy of that data. And I wanted to keep the rest for last, uh, which is the uh, the secondary node. Uh, so a secondary node is very similar to a backup node in the way that it behaves. Uh, actually, uh, the way it copies the data is exactly the same as a backup node. But there's a, a little bit of a difference in how the primary nodes react to the presence of a secondary node. So while a secondary node keeps a real-time copy of all the, all the data that is on the primary, at some point, the primary nodes may decide that they don't need a copy of the data anymore. Mm -hmm. So unlike a backup node where that just keeps a, an exact copy of the, of the primaries, um, a primary node may decide to remove data locally as soon as it knows that the secondary nodes have it as well. Okay. And when that data is requested, the primary node knows that it needs to go to the secondary node to actually fetch that, mm -hmm. uh, that data. So it's, it's kind of like a backup uh, node, but uh, with the purpose of allowing these primary nodes to, uh, to remove the data, which is very useful if you have a lot of data. Um, if you uh, have, for instance, a, a three or a five node primary cluster, you'll have three or five copies of all the data. That might be a lot of data and then a lot of copies of that data, yeah. which just means you've, you've got this um, this, these events of a couple of years old, and they, uh, they're just sitting there, uh, sitting there five times. Taking right? up space, yeah. T taking space, exactly. um, uh, putting their, uh, their share on the, of the bill. Um, 
So uh, with, with the secondary nodes, you can choose to have only one secondary node um, and then just accept the fact that some data may not be available if there's a network problem with the secondary mm -hmm. node. Right? And that might be perfectly fine you, if you say we keep uh, last year's data on the primary and then older data just on one copy of a secondary node, then it's uh, significantly cheaper right. in terms of uh, in terms of storage. storage yeah. yeah. So with uh, great explanation, thank you. Uh, so with all of that, um, we have talked about the reasons why we choose a um, basically an odd number of primary nodes. Uh, but can you kind of recap that real quick? Because um, you mentioned typically there are three primary nodes. Uh, can you explain a little bit why we choose that route and um, what kind of benefit does it have if one of them goes down? Yeah, so the, the reason it's an odd number of nodes is, um, so the type of data that we store is the very important data. Is very often the source of, of information that is used for various different, uh, different systems. So we really want that data to be consistent. We want to guarantee the consistency of that, uh, of that data. Now, when you look at the CAP theorem, basically it tells you that under uh, when there's a network partition, so when there's a communication problem, if you will, between nodes, you can only either guarantee availability, so either you can access the data or you can guarantee consistency. So either the data is correct or it is available to you, which is a um, pretty big dilemma, right? <laughs> we have very strongly chosen for the consistency side because of that source of truth right mm -hmm. if we cannot right. guarantee the consistency of the data we prefer not to have to serve the data, the data at all, at all. Yep. but yet we do want the uh, ability to um, well to lose a node right to have a problem on one node or to to be able to to take it down for uh, for maintenance or an upgrade or whatever. There's just several reasons why a node would not uh, want to uh, move on. Um, so what we what we do is we use the rough protocol, uh, which is a, um, a very popular protocol uh, these days for uh, for replication. And it can, can it can guarantee that consistency for right. you. And it needs a uh, an odd number of nodes so that you always have a clear majority. Mm -hmm. If there is a communication problem uh, between two sides, if you will, then one side is always larger than the other side. And gotcha. the larger side can then continue processing and the smaller one can um, uh, basically stop, uh, will effectively stop. So in a three node cluster, you can lose one node. The other two still have the majority, so they can still safely process uh, transactions. Whereas in a five node cluster, you can even lose two nodes. Mm -hmm because then the three remaining nodes are still a majority. So as, as long as uh, in a three node cluster, one node that is accepting a transaction can get a, a confirmation and acceptance from one of the other two, then we're safe. And right. that's why we... Uh, yeah. And one thing that you mentioned that I'd like to highlight is uh, the fact that one of them can be down for maintenance purposes. So the availability is always there. Um, therefore, you never lose track of your data and you don't have to worry about taking the whole system down for, let's say, overnight to do maintenance on it. So that means exactly. that no, uh, problem no is nightly, solved. Uh, nightly updates. <laughs> uh, there might still be a minor impact on, on connected applications. Obviously, when you take a node down, there's a slight window in which applications need to connect from the node that was going down to the new ones. Right. Uh, but we do have graceful shutdown uh, applications are notified of a node going down 
so typically it's uh, it's a very brief moment in uh, in time where these uh, uh, where these disconnects happen so um yeah um that will never give you 100% availability, but at least uh, you should be able to get uh, three or four nines uh, yeah. using that. Yes. Cool. Um, so now let's uh, move on to the topic, which is tiered storage. Um, can you tell me what tiered storage is and why should I care? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, why? Um, I'm also wondering why we didn't have it earlier, but you know, that's... Um, <laughs> why did we yeah, take the longer so route we, to get there? So we, we introduced secondary nodes to, to manage the, the data volume, right? But then we, what we found out is um, even on the primary nodes, uh, you can have a lot of data. Uh, I, I gave the example earlier of, of storing one year of data on, on the primary node. Well, even if you do that, it, that might be a lot of data. Um, and we, we had this challenge where um, customers sometimes had, um, or still still have, uh, because it's not released yet, but they have a challenge of uh, choosing where to store the data because um, SSDs are really fast and mm -hmm. nice, and they they can do, um, uh, they, can they can concurrently access multiple parts of the data, uh, writing for one, uh, reading from another, which, which is fantastic for, the very recent part of your event store. And they come with a cost. But they come a with little, a cost, little exactly. Little so yeah. <laughs> uh, they're fine for, for a few uh, few dozen gigs, yeah. uh, maybe a few hundreds too. Uh, but we have customers with several terabytes of data. And then, uh, well, with that volume, we have another uh, problem or challenge, I would say, is that even the cheaper disks start becoming very expensive at that point because oh. you need the large volume. You have so. A lot of you can use NFS, and very, NFS is very scalable because it will just use several physical storage devices and uh, it will put a network layer on it. But NFS is not cheap either, and very often you pay for the bandwidth, which could be significant. Right. So we wanted to find a way to, to better manage the data that is available on a single node of Axon Server. So okay. you can choose to store... Uh, data that is recent on uh, on a fast storage, but maybe slightly more expensive. And then to prevent it from growing too uh, too large, we can store other data on uh, on, on cheaper disks uh, that are maybe larger but also slower. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what tiered storage does. So you can basically see it as a type of sharding, except that uh, sharding is typically um, um, just across uh, different uh, different storage uh, nodes that are considered equal. Whereas we do sharding based on uh, on the age of uh, of data. So in an event store, you basically have a time series of data, and the most recent data is the the data that you well that's where you write, uh, but that's also where most of the reads will happen. Mm -hmm. right? When doing event sourcing, you're going to probably read from the more recent events than. Uh, Something yeah. from ten years ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Events of ten years ago. There's probably a snapshot to prevent that from yeah, from yeah. being loaded. So what we do is we store everything on the first tier. Is uh, is what uh, what happens, and then at a specific configured, it could be an interval, it could be a size. Um, those data segments that we uh, we use to store the data are moved to the next tier of storage. Which I'm assuming is a slower. Which would be a disk, slower yeah. disk, um, a disk that is uh, maybe more optimized for sequential reading or can just store a large volume. Mm -hmm. um, so still kind of similar to secondary notes. 
there there's there some uh, some overlap between okay. how that uh, how that happens except that this is on the same node so it is still we're gotcha. still talking about a primary node yep. or maybe a backup node yeah and the fun thing is you can choose a different uh, strategy for primary nodes and backup nodes so backup nodes they typically don't need the same ssd kind of access where they, they you don't load that much from a backup node yep. it's just trying to follow along so it just needs to be able to write so it's probably fine to store everything just on on a on regular disk mm -hmm. whereas with um primary nodes there's a lot of transaction activity going on so you probably want that first disk to be fast and, yeah. and very close by mm -hmm. um, so you want the um, physically attached disk and i mean different uh, cloud providers use different terms for uh, for those disks but you want something close and fast yeah for uh, for that um and, and the thing about shared storage is that you're not tied to, uh, so unlike, for example, secondary nodes, uh, you only have primary and secondary, but with tiered storage, you can choose as many storage tiers as you want. So you can really, it's not just uh, from SSD to, to other disk, but you can have multiple disks. Um, so we have, we have customers managing terabytes of data. And when you, when you talk about the, uh, about, um, um, is the data still valuable? Can't you just get rid of the data? They, they, they stare at you like don't touch the data it's it's we we want to keep it but we just need to be able to manage it slightly uh, slightly better uh, so if you really want to keep the data uh, uh, around you can you can choose several uh, several tiers of the same type of disk just to be able to spread the data across different disks so uh, a couple of questions on that um the first one so you mentioned that you can keep all of them on the same node um, with that said then i'm assuming that the three primary nodes that you're using would use similar configuration for the tiered storage or is that not a requirement so right now the way we've uh, we've implemented uh, the first version or as it will be available in the first uh, version of this feature is that you can uh, configure the different uh, let's say storage classes so by a name so prime first we store it on this uh, and, uh, class and then on that class and per node you can choose okay this class which which disk is it exactly so yes you can have a different one per node but there's one uh one configuration for all the uh for all the primary nodes. there's another configuration for backup nodes but for different roles you can have different configurations mm -hmm. um typically uh, as i as, as i said earlier the on primary nodes, you know, you have this, uh, you won't have fast transactions. So you probably choose a class that then is mapped to an SSD for the very first, for the recent events, right? Mm -hmm. Which is maybe only the uh, 10 gigs, right? Yeah. You can, uh, 10 gigs of very fast disk is not that expensive. And then after the 10 gigs, you, uh, you store the next uh, 100 gigs on a somewhat uh, cheaper disk. And then the several terabytes later could be even stored on a very, uh, not so local disk somewhere else that uh, that gives you much uh, cheaper access. So you can choose these different classes, and then you can map the classes to disks mm -hmm. on on every node in the in the configuration. So with that said, you did mention that um, with the typical usage of primary nodes that we currently have in place, the data is basically exactly replicated on all of these three nodes. However, with the tree, uh, the tiered storage, where you can have different configurations of where the data is stored on each one of these primary nodes, how do you then replicate the data exactly? Does that make any difference then? So the, the replication process in itself doesn't uh, doesn't really matter. So there's there's still one configuration of all the classes, right? So uh, you store ten gigs in first uh, in the first tier. 
then it moves to the second tier and then the third one. While the tier may have a different disc on, well, it will have a, a physically different disc on all of the nodes, right. but they still contain exactly the same copy of data. Okay. Um, but they might um, store that copy on a different place than the other uh, the other nodes. But they will still have so all the events are still um, available three times. So if you have a three node primary cluster with tiered storage, you will still have three copies of of the data. The only thing that's changed is where that copy is, uh, where where that particular event is stored. Mm -hmm. So whether it's on a slower basically disk versus a faster one that can Correct. be different. Okay, great. Um, there is one feature in tier storage that uh, is quite desirable, I think, by some of the customers, which is the um, the usage of the what we call the black hole for the ephemeral events. Can you explain what ephemeral events are, first of all, and why did we decide to um, basically bring in this feature of black hole, which I'm sure you will explain what it is, um, and what kind of usage do we have in real life examples? Yes, yeah, so uh, indeed, ephemeral events is um, is a difficult topic to talk about in the context of event sourcing. But um, do tell our... why, because <laughs> we because well, we you... want to keep the events forever. But now we're talking exactly, about yeah, ephemeral, which is not forever. Let's get rid of those events. So, um, so of course, there's there's a time, you know, uh, twenty years from now, what's the value of, of those events? And I think there's not a lot of arguments about uh, about that. So forever is is an approximation, uh, right? Um, so it's usually a little bit shorter than than that. But with the ephemeral events feature, we're really talking about uh, keeping data for a um, significantly more limited uh, period of time, and that's because we've noticed that not every context really needs to store all of the data that long. Um, there are situations where. Uh, for example, if you do a type of transaction processing where transactions typically take, or business transactions I'm talking about here, mm -hmm. uh, when they take about five to 10 minutes, then after a year, nothing is going to happen to those transactions anymore. Mm -hmm. So what's the value of keeping them even longer than five weeks? Um, now, there's a lot of places where they do want to keep that, and the, the system is still designed to, to do that. But with tiered storage, there could be one storage tier and of course, it has to be the last one, uh, which could be the, the, the black hole. That's a, um, uh, well, you, you might have heard of them uh, in, uh, in outer space. Um, things go into it, uh, but we don't really know where they, where what they are, or what happens to them. Uh, so we, uh, basically, you can put your events there. Um, and then they, they disappear and then uh, are nowhere to be found uh, And nobody anymore. knows what happens to them. <laughs> nobody really knows what happens to them. And uh, we always, uh, internally, we always joke that um, uh, even our support engineers will not go in there to see where if they can be. Because they won't come out. Because they will, they will probably not come back. Uh, so events that are there, uh, they, they stay there and they will never be found. You can see it as the, uh, the dev null disk, right? It always has space. You can always write any file in there that you want, but don't expect it to, uh, uh, to come back. Um, so yeah, black hole is one of the, the terms that we've used for, uh, for that, uh, that tier. Uh, we'll see what it's called when the when the release comes out. Yeah. But it is uh, it's either a black hole or dev null or yeah, the, something to that effect. Just to uh, where things go to get lost. Yeah, and where, you don't to wanna, be never retrieved again. <laughs> you don't yes. want to touch it with a ten foot pole. So that's great. Um, now with this um, option, 
Now, uh, you did mention that some business transactions, you don't need to uh, keep track of them for for a long period of time. Can you give me a couple of examples as to what those business transactions might be? Yeah, so in some cases, we've seen uh, payment processing uh, systems that, um, that just process a, a bank transfer from one account to another, uh, and then all the the technical things uh, that need to happen for, for that transaction. Um, that typically doesn't take longer than a couple of seconds. Right. Uh, and then they don't always need the um, the events themselves for auditing. Uh, there was an existing auditing system in some of the uh, cases that we've seen. Uh, so the uh, everything is replicated to that auditing system and they don't need the events anymore. Um, so instead of uh, paying the penalty of just keeping the events around because event sourcing uh, says, you know, store everything forever. It, it, if it has no value or if the value of the events doesn't is not higher than the cost of, of maintaining them, then just uh, just get, get rid of them. Yeah. And another one that we see very often is, uh, is a, when you have a multi-context uh, system, there's always uh, some communication between these contexts. Right. Uh, and a pattern that we, uh, we, we see very often is uh, that they create uh, one extra context, which is the integration context. Yeah. And that's where events go that are worth sharing outside of your own context, uh, your own bounded context, if you will. So typically, um, a context outside of your own, uh, they don't care about all the nitty gritty details because with event sourcing, every change is an event, yeah. right? even if it's a small change. And it might be completely worthless to to other um, other contexts. So, uh, if you want to share a, a copy of an event, uh, which uh, which we usually call milestone events, right? Something happens that is slightly more significant than all the other things. Uh, but those milestone events, they um, they would then carry a bit more information, so that it, they're also useful to uh, to the other context. But as soon as the other contexts have responded to those events or reacted and done whatever they needed to do. The value disappears again. Mm -hmm. um, replays, well, the, you you probably don't want to always be able to replay for a, a year in the past, right? Maybe the those integration events for the last uh, three months are enough. So in that case, what you can do is you can set up this um, storage um, tier to to have a primary storage on some disk that matches the requirements of your transactions. And then, um, um, say after three months, the uh, the data segments are moved to the to the black hole, and then they just disappear. Go away. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's uh, worth double mentioning that it's not only shorter transactions, but um, more importantly, business value. If if it's not worth keeping, just get rid of it. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Um, now, how can the tiered storage complement what you explained about primary, secondary backup nodes? And a follow-up question to that, do folks have to pick one or the other, um, or they can just use them as is, or is there a preference? Or I guess it all yeah. depends. I can already see it, you saying it depends it, for all of it, the above. It always <laughs> depends. No, actually, it, uh, we found out it doesn't really depend. Um, Excellent. Finally. <laughs> For, for I never once. thought this it's, day would it's happen. It's not a DDD-related question, so <laughs> right. I guess we're good. Yeah. Now the, um, the the thing is when you when you, especially when you talk about ephemeral events and tiered uh, tiered storage, the pattern sounds very similar to what you had with primary and secondary storage. Right. Exactly. The primary moves data to the secondary conceptually, at least, 
um, and then it disappears from the primary. Um, there is a big difference, though. There's a, there's a couple of differences. Um, so tiered storage is about the storage location for a single node. So it is still a primary node or maybe a secondary node. Um, so it is still the primary node that has all the data. So you still have three copies of the data if you have uh, three primary nodes. Uh, it's just that some of the data is on one disk and some of it is on uh, on another. Um, and um, the other difference is that with um, with primary and secondary nodes, the um, the data is managed by a different node altogether. So it's really off. Uh, so, so it really changes the the number of replicas that you have. Right. So if you um, if data is is removed from a primary node because it is stored on a secondary node and old enough uh, to just leave it there, the data is still available to the primary node indirectly. So there's a little bit of added latency, makes it slightly more expensive. But more importantly, you've deleted three copies of the data mm. and have it have it replaced by, for example, one. Right. Or if you have a five-node cluster, it's even more dramatic. You know, you're deleting five uh, copies to to just retain one. So the total amount of data is uh, is reduced that you that you store. Um, but if you have a lot of data, now your primary is nice and happy, right? Because right. after uh, let's say 100 gigs, it might be able to say, "Hey, I don't need that data anymore. Just get rid of it," because yeah. the secondary node has it, just in case I need to retrieve it. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, that secondary node has all the data. Um, where does it leave that data? So tiered storage is then a very powerful feature within those secondary nodes to say, hey, we want to, to keep the data on different disks. Um, and um, it just moves from, uh, from one to, uh, to, to the next disk as soon as uh, certain limits are reached. And ultimately, it just right? goes away. And ultimately, yeah, you can sell, tell the secondary node that, hey, you, know, you, you store the data. But after, uh, after seven years, just uh, send it to Get the black hole because yep. even the tax authorities are not interested in your transactional data anymore, then probably it's it's really irrelevant. Keep it for 10 years in that case. Ten, ten years, <laughs> just, depending just on the sure. uh, jurisdiction. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, there's some uh, some countries that require it for 10, some seven. Uh, and uh, yeah, medical data is very similar, very often has a retention requirement as well. Uh, GDPR has a lot of uh, rules about uh, retaining data and um, uh, tracking, being able to track decisions. Yeah. So make sure that your uh, your configuration um, uh, complies with those regulatory requirements. Exactly. Um, so I think that um, so while at, at the office we had those discussions as well. Hey, does this uh, does this make secondary nodes obsolete? Mm -hmm. But I think it is a very uh, nice feature, especially for those secondary nodes. To, uh, to be able it, to, actually. yeah, it complements yeah. it, and it, it allows you to manage the large volume of data that a secondary node may need to uh, to manage. So at the beginning, we kind of made a half joke, half serious comment, which was, "Why didn't we do this in the first place?" Was it because at the time we didn't necessarily think of these requirements, or or business decisions were not um, as crucial, I guess. And now we've seen more cases where the feedback was, hey, we really don't need to keep everything. Let's get rid of some of it. Was it the first or yeah. the second? Or maybe the combination? It's actually the combination of, <laughs> of the two. So we, we started off with secondary, uh, primary and secondary nodes. Um, well, obviously, we started with primary nodes. But we added this, the capability of secondary nodes 
to uh, to allow to manage that data, right? You can give the secondary node a a larger disk, but also a slower and cheaper one. Um, so we we started doing that, but as uh, you know, as you get uh, get more customer feedback, you start noticing that hey, these customers are doing a lot of transactions. They're not talking about um, um, thousands of events per uh, per day, but they're talking about thousands of events per second, continuously all day long. Um, and then it's like, uh, yeah, every day we, we store a certain number of gigs of, of data, right? So they um, they monitor disk space and they can mark a day on the calendar not too far away where that disk is getting uh, getting full. Um, so we, we needed something to manage that large volume of data. And then we also had this um, um, well, pressure um, from uh, from our users to... Um, to, to get rid of certain events because right. the value uh, compared to the cost of storing it was uh, just doesn't make sense. Didn't make happen. sense, yep. right? Um, yep. And then we, we really wanted to find a solution for uh, for both these problems. We we really like to to look at uh, you know different problems and and really find that what is that one, what is the smallest thing that we can we can do that can solve all of these problems. In this case, it was the uh, tiered storage and just say hey, one storage tier. And obviously, it's the last one. Uh, could be the uh, the black hole where we just say, okay, it just disappears into it. It's uh, once it's uh, drawn into uh, into it, yeah, um, it's uh, it's gone. And one thing that uh, you did mention uh, while you were explaining um, in in various parts, uh, but I'd like to ask just to be concrete on that. Um, I'm assuming that all of these tiers are configurable, so you can go and decide what not necessarily the tiers, but the events as to which tier they go into and then eventually which one of them will be transferred into that black hole. Is that correct? You can configure everything or is it kind of set automatic or as default? In some no, cases? there's there's definitely uh, a lot of configuration you can do. Um, um, the, the, um, the configuration you can decide on is uh, what is the first tier, what's the second, what's the third, and what are the rules for moving data from the first to the next one? Okay. And those rules uh, are uh, either time-based, so data has to stay on a certain tier for a certain amount of time. Um, and then as soon as the entire segment is uh, is older than that, so if there's no events uh, younger than that particular time frame, uh, then it is moved to the, uh, to the next tier. So it's either time-based or it's size-based. Okay. So you can say, I want uh, 10 gigs of data on this uh, storage. And as soon as a... Uh, a new segment is created that would uh, overflow that amount of data. Um, uh, candidate uh, files will uh, will be moved. Right? Okay. So you always need to make sure that don't if your if your disk is ten gigs, don't set it at ten gigs. You okay. have to have a little bit more because there's some um, uh, some uh, some safety measures in there that if uh, if the disk is uh, well, we've seen situations where disks are not available because sometimes they're not. Uh, physically attached, but they're network uh, disks. So we want to make sure that the, the the data is copied to the new disk. Then it is validated, and mm -hmm. only when it's validated, it's removed from the from the, uh, the the prior storage tier. So there's a little bit of time where where the the events exist in two places. Mm -hmm. Of course, Axon Server knows that it will manage that, so you don't read events events twice. But um, but again, you know that data consistency is so important that we want to make sure it it safely made it to the other side yeah. <laughs> before we uh, we remove it. Uh, the black hole being one exception. 
Um, we're not checking if it safely made it into it. <laughs> no, nobody goes in there. <laughs> nobody, uh, definitely nobody goes in there. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that's configurable. Um, at runtime, you can still change some of that configuration. Uh, for now, we do not. We only allow changes at the very end of it. So, mm -hmm. you can change. You can add new storage tiers uh, behind it. Uh, we are looking at algorithms to allow you to change the. Um, the configuration altogether so we can calculate where every file needs to be in the new configuration uh, but that may in some cases cause more uh, data moving around that you would anticipate so that's something we want to uh, uh, to get a clear picture of before we actually uh, provide that as a as a feature so for now it's you're allowed to change the configuration. You can add more tiers mm. uh, after it if you okay. want. Yeah. so you did mention uh, size base or time uh, base. Is it safe to also assume or state that for certain events that uh, they don't have the business value to keep in, into your um, event store, can you also configure the events or maybe the streams of events or even segments of those events to not even go into the event store? I guess in that case, you're not, you're not even sourcing them to begin with. But if for whatever reason you want to source them, but get rid of them pretty quickly. I'm assuming you can configure that as well. So in uh, in tier storage, you cannot. So it's okay. really really fixed on the um, on all of the events. Uh, there's another feature uh, that's also scheduled for the same release, which is event store transformation. <laughs> oh, are we leaking into that one? Okay. <laughs> all right. So uh, and that one allows you to be much more selective about what you uh, what you do with events and removal is one of the one of the features. Okay. There. We'll come. We'll come back and talk about that one in a in a different uh, session. Exactly. But uh, great. Um, so you also um, the last question. I hope <laughs> I always say last question, but then you never know. Um, this feature is coming out sometime uh, the during the first quarter of this year, and uh, what you explained is what we're expecting to come out in the first version of it. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And um, are we planning on bringing anything else into this feature in the future, or is it based yes. on the feedback we get? Well, obviously, uh, we, we always uh, want to gather feedback. So in this first release, uh, you might have heard me just say disk all the time. Yeah. Right? I'm talking about disk and from one disk to another disk. Uh, but there's other storage uh, types than just disk out there. So. Um, especially useful for older events. We're also looking at um, um, storage buckets, right? The, uh, the typical uh, S3 if you're on Amazon, which is a very popular uh, storage facility. Um, and basically, um, you, you don't know where the data is stored. It's stored on some disk somewhere. Uh, but the, um, the cost of storage is really, really low yeah. for that. So you can really store an immense amount of data. Uh, the, the penalty there uh, is on the on accessing the data. Mm -hmm. And we are looking at, uh, at using uh, those, um, uh, let's say, cloud storage uh, features for, uh, for tiered storage as well, mm -hmm. because they make sense, especially on the, uh, let's say, the older uh, parts of an event stream. It makes sense to just say, hey, uh, S3 has them. If you look for them, then you, know, you pay a little penalty. Uh, you pay a bit of access cost to uh, to get to those events, but at least they're there. Yeah. Um, and as long as you don't, you, as long as you don't access them, then uh, they're, um, I guess, they're cheap. Uh, 
And it, uh, there's some uh, some technical challenges with that uh, that storage because obviously we need to know what is stored where. Yeah. So we need yeah, some so. index in some way to to find them, and that uh, that is not easy in uh, in in, uh, in cloud storage. So uh, we're currently looking into different ways to do that. So disk is uh, disk comes first. Yeah. And then uh, at some point uh, later in the year, uh, we'll have. Um, different storage classes as well perfect um but i think business reasons as well because we do have uh, customers that uh, are not allowed to use cloud-based storages and things like that so this version of it is going to be very handy for them i'm, I'm assuming yeah, so that's absolutely. really great all right so i'll uh, come back with more questions when we um, have other features of this uh, particular uh tiered storage feature that we have and uh further on on uh, event transformation so Stay tuned, I'll come back. Thank you for listening to my talk with Allard. Join me next time for other amazing talks with wonderful guests. Until then, have a great day and happy coding. <laughs>